TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. You guys want to take a Mensa test? Just for shits and giggles? Do they we cost should. money? I'm sure they cost money. I think they... Mensa's fucking awful. You can, find well, prob- you can probably find equivalents. Though. Yeah, sure. I bet BuzzFeed has a Mensa yeah. test for today. <laughs> <laughs> Which Mensa are you? <laughs> Mensa. Actually, I bet if we just started fucking telling Mensa how much money we made and that we were rich, <laughs> yeah. they'd be like, come do it for free. They'd give it to us for oh, free. Yeah. We can make a song for them and call, call ourselves Boys to Mensa. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Uh, I can't. Right. What? I don't know. I'm he afraid to move because <laughs> Mark yells at me whenever I do. That dude has a uh, seeing eye dog oh. on vacation. No, it's off the work. dog is on vacation, which yeah. means he has, has a blindfold on. I'm sick of looking at shit. Yeah. The, he's letting the human lead it around. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so tired. Why don't you take me somewhere. <laughs> Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication podcast whose milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And that's right, it's better than yours damn right it's better than yours on today's episode the genetics of lactose intolerance a new class of antibiotics and why it's not smart to attach batteries to your head welcome to dr heckle the science communication podcast that is still searching for the missing link between mitch mcconnell and a turtle (laughs) with me on the podcast today with some general education from maplewoods community college in kansas city comedian Aaron naylor with a few courses in history and pre-law at South, Southeastern Louisiana University, comedian Dante Powell. Ooh, yeah. And also not finishing accounting at Marshalltown Community College, our first repeat guest and therefore our first true fen- friend of the oh, show, fuck. comedian James Doyle. Oh my Woo! God, first repeat, suck that Gideon and Patrick. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> all you of you. Still Thanks, haven't finished man. those Thanks courses. For us. Uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what brings you to Memphis and what you're currently doing as comedians right this second right this month we're here on tour uh, as part of the milk boys cometh the milk boys of course being our uh group name Mm -hmm. a moniker we came up with because we are dumb and (laughs) we like milk well we do i like chocolate milk nothing Uh, wrong with milk but yeah we we are coming through doing some shows last night we did dirty movies i believe and then tonight we're doing uh drafts and laughs or laughs and drafts great show or something like that (laughs) And uh, we, James got us hooked up with Will, who hooked us up with some shows, and now we're here performing. Fantastic. Uh, how long is your uh, tour? 17 days. Yeah, but there's like 19, 18 or 19 shows. Yeah. That's pretty. Or wait, no, there's less because we have two off days. Yeah, we got two yeah. off days. About 17 yeah. shows. Yeah. Sweet. How often do you manage to get out and do a, a run? Well, this is my second time doing anything over two weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah, this is my first time doing anything over a week. Yes. So. So, and how's it been for you? Has it been a fun trip so far? It's, it's been surprisingly fun. Like yeah. you, you expect to go in and you're like, okay, when are we going to get to the part where we bump heads and fight and want to punch each other? But it's been really chill. Uh, yeah, it's gone by real quick. Yeah, Time flies uh, when you're jerking off a lot in the car. Mm-hmm. So. For mm. Winslow's apartment. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I haven't jerked off at all this entire Dante tour. Dante hasn't I, jerked off at all. I don't know what is happening. He's a man of the cloth. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not quite a man cloth. of the cloth, but I do love Jesus, and well, I think it's terrible that you guys are desecrating You just forgot sanctuary. your cloth in Des Moines that you jerked <laughs> off in, that's why. <laughs> You're desecrating that temple he gave you. Uh, he didn't give me a temple. <laughs> your body is a temple, Aaron, so don't desecrate it with Oh, yeah, we're also getting tattoos eventually. Maybe. If you know anyone who gives free tattoos, we'll take them. 
ironically, there's a show later tonight which is giving out uh, as a prize two hours of free tattooing. No shit. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. So you'll probably have to go there. And yeah. Will, will the tattoos be milk-related? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've got a logo that uh, our buddy Dave Lasso made. Hey, it's, Dave. Uh, hi, Dave. It is a uh, milk space shuttle. It's a milk milk shuttle, I guess. Oh, yeah, I've seen the... Yeah, uh, the my uh, milk shuttle brings all the boys to the earth. <laughs> <laughs> now, whilst you go by that name... Do you actually drink a lot of milk? How no, many yeah. how many cups a day? I'm a fan you? of milk. I've I've drank milk. If you regularly. could if you could put a number though on the cups a day oh, of milk. Zero points. I don't drink at least a cup of milk a day. I'm not gonna lie. I drink a lot of chocolate milk, but uh, I like expensive chocolate milk. I like mm. Fairlife, so it's oh, like yeah. four bucks a, a fifty six ounce bottle, and because of that, I. Uh, I just don't buy a lot of it, so I'll, I'll get one and then it's gone real fast. So you are you are below one cup a day, you think? I would think so. Yeah. You know, you, got, you know that thing where you drink an entire gallon of milk in a minute or an hour. Yeah, I probably done that on accident. Okay, so you are you, <laughs> yeah, you are above the mean. Yeah. You yes. are a true milky boy. Yeah, no strong bones. It's my favorite uh, beverage, hands down. You I don't know how much how much of it I drink just on tour, because uh, it's usually just water and. Whatever. He's uh, drinking a can of milk right now. I'm drinking a can it's of difficult milk right to now. go to bars and ask specifically for milk. It's not. Yeah. Just so we let's be clear about this. It's not difficult. It is not crazy. Hannah Ty, if you end up listening to this, it's not that crazy that someone would go to a bar and ask for milk. Just so you know, someone called me out once. They laughed in my face when I went to a bar and I was like, Hey, can I get a chocolate milk? And they still talk about it. You know, we watched Catwoman yesterday, Oh. and Halle Berry went up to the bartender and ordered a white Russian with no alcohol. Yeah, virgin white Russian. Yeah, just a That's thing just... of cream, heavy cream. <laughs> she thought it was milk. She was stupid. She was a Catwoman. That's and the worst she... part of that movie. Oof. Easily. Well, I mean, there's a part where a cat breathes into her mouth, and then she, <laughs> she becomes, becomes a cat. Catwoman. So, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Everybody should watch that movie. It's real good. Well, uh, if you do drink a cup of milk a day, Aaron, do you, if you think you do, you will be above the average. Mm. A report from the USDA in 2014 shows that Americans drink 37% less milk than they did in 1970. Yeah, mm. it is a crisis. I mean, it's it's bad for you. There's just so much other things <laughs> to drink. Very now. Good. There's so yeah. many other things yeah. to drink. And uh, but you but you can all happily drink it because you know there are people that are lactose intolerant. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm I, I'm lactose intolerant, but I still. Like Fairlife is fairly low in lactose, I believe. So it's like triple so pasteurized, get, isn't it? Something like it's that. Real, like yeah, it's just some chill milk. ass yeah. milk. It's some Fairlife's dope ass. Mi- it's like you know what, bro? I know you got issues, but I'm not fucking with them. Let's let me just pass through your system yeah. regularly. So soy milk's also pretty good. Ah, so th- yeah, those are rising in the amount that they're prevalent, but still are a very low amount of the market share. But yeah. but regular milk contains lactose, and some people are lactose intolerant, and there are two main ways that that can happen. Okay. Either genetically, you are not producing lactase as an, as an adult, the enzyme that breaks this down, or you have some damage to the small intestine that um, could be trauma, could be something else that actually will interfere with your ability to uh, break down lactose in milk. Okay. Now the interesting thing, and probably the region, uh, the reason that uh, you two are able to uh, digest lactose is uh, across populations across the world, there have been six incidences where uh, a lactase persistence uh, genetic mutation has developed. So there's the lactase gene that everyone 
everyone produces lactase when they're a baby. But after about the age of two, that drops away and you're not allowed, uh, you're not able to produce lactase and therefore digest lactose uh, unless you have a persistence mutation, something, uh, a mutation away from that gene that keeps that gene switched on throughout your life. And in Northern Europe, about 7,500 years ago, that muta- uh, there was a, a mutation that developed that caused this. But this, uh, this has developed independently six times. So once uh, in a West African population, uh, there's a Middle Eastern population. Uh, the Northern European is the most common one. In fact, 100% of Irish uh, descent people have this. You only need one or two copies to have this lactase persistent to be able to, you know, break down lactose and drink, uh, drink milk. And they all occur in this same region upstream of this LCT gene. Uh, now, there's a high amount of variance in Euro- European population. For example, only 17% of Greeks, 14% of Sardinians have this uh, persistent phenotypes. And across Africa, the distribution of it is patchy. Uh, West Africa, it's fairly high. There's a, uh, it's related to the certain populations in Africa that were more agricultural. So it seems to develop when you've got agricultural, um, agricultural uh, society structures yeah. uh, and, I guess, less, maybe less nomadic structure, structures. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is that this has developed very recently within human evolution this is you know you think 7500 years is only a few thousand generations yeah maybe maybe even sorry a few hundred generations yeah that is more reasonable yeah yeah a few hundred generations but unless there were you know i guess people had children younger but yeah people did be fucking yeah but the age of 7.5 would probably not be don't you don't have to get it. I'm not gonna give you a thumbs up from there. You're right. Yeah, yeah. seven point five is a bad age to start fucking. Yeah, didn't stop Just me. <laughs> so uh, it's it's a shame that you're not able to. Well, you you drink milk, but you uh, you are not necessarily able to digest it. That means you can pretty much uh, rule out certain populations that you would be originated from from okay. uh, from west africa uh, uh, there's uh, let's see the Fel- uh, the fellaini Fel- population in west africa mm-hmm. are ones that specifically have a high prevalence of this whereas okay. other uh, areas such as eastern africa and southern africa actually there is not too much of a uh, oh. uh, of a prevalence there we go. it's much more much more patchy so if you ever decide to do genealogy that is a good starting place. You'd be like, okay, probably not a West African population, probably somewhere uh, else in the region. Whereas you guys, you're definitely Northern European. Uh, can yeah. tell that from oh, your yeah. white, sure. white faces. Sure. Yeah. Well, mine's kind of red. Hey, speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> I'm part Polish too, so. Yeah, a little bit Dutch. All of which are able to drink milk. To butt chug milk. Let Ohm help you get the word out on your service, product, or endeavor. Email info at theoamnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Heckle podcast. We move on to our news item of the week. Today's article is penned by David Adam for The Guardian, actually on the front page of the G2 section. And the title of the article is Adventures in Brain Hacking, How an Electrical Stimulator Boosted My IQ. What do you think about that, guys? 
I, it makes sense. Boosting your IQ with electrical stimulation. With shock? With shocks yeah. of certain kinds. I don't know about that. Yeah. Worked well for Hemingway? Sure. Would it work well for him? <laughs> yeah, didn't sure he, did. Yeah, he blew his brains out, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was so smart, he learned how to use a gun. <laughs> I just think that if you're afraid you're going to get shocked, you're more likely to pay better attention, and that then makes you seem smarter. Hmm. Well, they use that for depression, don't they? Uh, electric stimulation? Yeah, it's used for a lot of things, but you, uh, often a very controlled setting. Uh, and in fact, we covered on a previous episode a very controlled form of it in which uh, sensors build up a kind of uh, map of when your brain is likely to forget or remember words. And then you uh, receive a stimulation when the system predicts you're likely to forget something. And it's thought that that might be useful in Alzheimer's in certain uh, certain times in the futures, but this guy specifically, he's going on this. I, I he's basically written a book, and he's go- going on a personal adventure, uh, and he's he's talking about cognitive enhancement, so the use of smart drugs such as modafinil, uh, which is supposedly you know taken by many students uh, both in Britain and I think in the U.S. before tests. Uh, but his his whole article was about he takes a test for Mensa and finds out that on the spatial awareness section, you know, working out what orientation things are in, he doesn't have a good enough IQ to get into uh, to Mensa. So then decides he's going to take the test a year later, which is what they recommend as your distance between tests, because there's such a thing, if you take the test again and again, you're going to get better at it. Uh, and what he was going to do was give himself some electrical stimulation to the temporal lobe. So... The side of his head, what he did was he hooked up uh, two 9-volt batteries, mm-hmm. put some wet sponges. Pretty smart. Which, wet sponges on his yep. head and gave himself 30 minutes of stimulation. I think it was every day for two weeks before this, this test. I do about 30 minutes of stimulation every day, too. <laughs> so uh, what do you think of this guy at this point? I think he pretty, sounds like a real goofball. <laughs> pretty fucking dumb. Pretty, yep. He's having a good time. I bet he's what he's like the smartest man in America now. Pretty fucking well. It's so the bad whole, enough that he wants to get into Mensa. <laughs> God, so, what a bunch of sad fucks. So it's estimated, <laughs> just just on UK statistics alone, it's estimated that there are about a million people with an IQ above 130, mm-hmm. which is your qualifying amount to get into Mensa, and yet there are only 21,000 members. That suggests that most smart people realize you don't want to be a <laughs> don't want to be a Mensa. It's so fucking I think Donald sad. Trump is in Mensa. Lame. I'm sure he's lied about that before. I doubt. I trust him. I'm the only. <laughs> he's the only billionaire in Mensa. Is probably what he said. Because the other billionaires that have Mensa level IQs have better shit to do and talk about. Jeez, Aaron, I why are you people so... People in Mensa are fucking idiots. You know what, Aaron? You're <laughs> such an elitist <laughs> towards suck. billionaires. It pisses me off. Aaron used to be in Mensa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, he they got, made a rule about sandals, and he was out. <laughs> I like this guy. What I mean, I can't wear I think he's shorts. killing it so far. He's um, trying something new. He's giving himself a little stimulation, and he's trying to live his best life. And then he goes out and fucking aces his He thinks test. this will make him smarter. Basically, it, he thinks he'll be able to be better at these, you know, quicker, harder, quicker. Here's the thing, though: if it doesn't work, he has to tell people that for a year he put sponges up to his temples. <laughs> he and did it for two weeks. Oh, I thought it was a year. Yeah, he waited a year before doing the test again, but then no. right beforehand. Uh, well, maybe I need some. Does sponges. it show like a day to day 
analysis of how like what how could he measure this exactly how can he measure this he didn't really uh so he just did this. <laughs> like yep this sounds right did, just did this and then uh and then before the test he took this modofinil uh this you know uh-huh. this drug and then went and did his the same mensa test and instead of one two five he gets back an iq score of one three five and then makes his claims that you know oh this this has helped him and talks yeah. about how he's feeling well Unfortunately, this is has to be complete, completely bogus. Yeah. It's, he's completely nullified any point that this has had by taking the medof- oh, yeah, sure. by taking the modofinil drug, <laughs> yeah. something that has been shown actually quite regularly to have these cognitive benefits hmm. uh, and that people regularly take. So he took that, completely nullifying any mm-hmm. effects that the brain stimulation you can find out about. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is low key <clears throat> fucking dumb. <laughs> he's barely in Mensa 135 yeah. come on that's low level that's like play, yeah. that's playground Mensa yeah he's D-League he's Mensa than, D-League yeah. <laughs> he might get called up in a week he's the Kwame Brown of Mensa like, man he had some potential but fuck that guy uh, I think I feel like that that article uh was just about him taking a drug, and then the guy was like, what are these batteries for? <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So Let me th- tell you about that real quick. So uh, it's been about the last year. Uh, just to get 10 points on my IQ test, I put sponges on my head. And you remember myself. the green mile? How that guy fucked it up? If I didn't pass this time, I was just going to do it straight to the tongue. <laughs> a nine volt to the tongue. Electricity's never hurt anybody. Interesting fact, uh, I know I was supposed to save this until the end of the podcast, but my dog growing up was named Madoffinil. So <laughs> <laughs> That um, can't be Mad Doff. It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of smart pills. <laughs> so there was an economist back in the 60s, Daniel Kahneman. He's mm-hmm. still, still alive, actually. Uh, and he was basically doing research into Israeli fighter pilots and whether positive reinforcement was uh, was beneficial. He was convinced positive reinforcement was beneficial, yeah. but the, uh, you know, the higher-ups in the military were saying, no, you have to be, you know, you have to be hard on them, you have to, like, uh, you know, be very critical, shout them down, because when we do that to them, when we remonstrate them, next time they perform better. Mm-hmm. And what he... Uh, what he actually showed was that that is a complete fallacy because when someone has performed bad enough for you to uh, remonstrate them, uh, they're actually performing far worse than their average performance. Anytime someone is doing a task, their their performance on a given time is going to fall within a range around their average. Mm -hmm. So if you praise someone for doing well when they've likely done better than the average, next time their performance is going to regress back to them, mm-hmm. their mean performance, and they're going to perform worse. Whereas someone who's done badly, uh, yeah. you, you say, why the fuck did you do so badly? You've got, to, you've got to get your shit together. Then the next time they perform better, and they're like, aha, it's, it's because I said that. Yeah. But and so, not, yeah. and right. so actually this study may have an element of that. He only did this study uh, with the electrical brain stimulation because he didn't get into Mensa yeah. the first time. And he's, but he still is intelligent enough to get a decent score. So therefore, yeah. if he's intelligent enough to get into Mensa, maybe he's just doing himself down. He's like, I performed b- badly. Let me shock my brain. Aha, I performed better. Yeah. Therefore, it worked. And again, it's, it could just be another fallacy. There are too many problems with the way he's done this, not even a study, where, where, with just the way he's written this article. And therefore, you know, the whole book he's written about it, I'd have to 
read read it, but if this is the crux of the book, then there is really not too much to go on. Yeah, yeah. But but also to the, to increase the like uh, worryingness of what this guy is doing. Uh, the study that he based this all on it was a scientific report. It was an actually pu- published study, uh, but whilst uh, whilst they found that the participants involved in this, where they stimulated them with an electrical mm-hmm. current, did improve uh, the, the participants' performance on certain tasks, they actually found that on uh, a number of other tasks, another uh, other task that the electrical currents had impaired their working memory. Mm. So it improved their abilities to do certain cognitive tasks, but impaired yeah. their memory. Because, I mean, if you think about it, there's nothing that scientific about putting bat- mm-hmm. batteries together, putting sponges on your head, and just sending a pulse at any time. Anyone who actually does uh, deep brain stimulation does it in a far more targeted manner. In fact, people are moving towards extremely targeted therapies that will only switch on for a fraction of a second, stimulating uh, certain regions of the brain for certain purposes. Attaching batteries to your head is not advisable in any way. Pretty fucking cool, though. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. And the fact that he is able to basically provide an advert for that in a national newspaper Mm -hmm. is pretty worrying so does it end with them saying that's the only way he can orgasm now i feel like that's what we're getting to another thing is you said it improved uh after they'd done the electric shock it improved their uh ability to like do stuff right yeah Yeah, because they don't want to be shocked again it's like pavlovian isn't it yeah there, there no, is a that potential for that, and a lot of yeah, a lot of studies that opera. involve uh, deep brain stimulation, they uh-huh. have to do uh, random area stimulations in other participants to make sure it's not just the fact that they're getting shocked, because okay. that will increase your you know yeah. alertness. Ooh. How do I get? Everything. How do I sign up for that? I want you to shock me, and I don't want to get smarter. <laughs> <laughs> you just get taken onto the trial, and then it's it's random. Like you don't know if you're being shocked in the right place or not. You just got to hope. Mm. Well, now I know. <laughs> But uh, the, the fact is, whilst he waited a year before repeating the test, he still would have had some knowledge of what was what the test was made up of that could have improved his performance. Mm-hmm. How many more questions did he get right for this ten point yeah. increase? It can't. It won't necessarily be that many. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it the drug? Prob- uh, probably. That's probably what did something. But we we don't know because he changed two variables. Yeah. Was it the batteries on his head alone? We don't know. Probably not. The fact is that whilst he was very enthusiastic, you're better off if you want to improve your cognition by doing deep brain stimulation to enroll yourself on a proper clinical trial. Let the actual academics uh, ac- actual academics deal with how to best improve cognition and don't make yourself into a working model of the green mile. Yeah. And for that... Just a remix to cognition, <laughs> and fresh out the kitchen. You familiar with R. Kelly? I am familiar with the uh, man who the likes to urinate on yeah. children. Yeah, <laughs> and marry small That's all children. he's ever done. Uh, that and the remix to ignition. Uh, I thought it was cognition. It was just for this. I oh, felt I like ignition. I think you're right, though. I think like this is the one time that like you know that there are people smarter than you who are capable of figuring this shit out. But you're like I'm. Like, like this dude is smart enough to be like, I'm gonna, sh- I know how to shock myself and try to keep up with the results, but I'm not also smart enough to ruin this entire thing by taking medicine, and then I'm also smart enough to try this on myself, but dumb enough to not go out and find professionals who are already doing actual studies on this and use them. 
he sounds like uh, he I, he 100% voted for Gary Johnson. That's what the <laughs> fuck we just figured out. Gary Johnson voters, you're welcome. This is, hey, you need dumb people to figure stuff out. This is just a, a PSA to all the students out there. Just study. Don't just, fuck around with any of this bullshit. Just study. I Chances say, are, I mean, all, the only difference was 10 points. He probably just took a better te- like took the test better. Maybe he just learned more in a year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, watched, he watched Jeopardy. That's, and that's he just, how like, I would do it. He used all that other shit to cover it up. Like, well, this works. Like, no, I don't know. It's like when, uh, when your friend passes a, a drug test to get a job, and you're like, oh, I thought you were smoking weed last weekend. And they, like, smoked a little bit of weed, and then they're like, well, you know, I actually drank a uh, smoothie made out of banana root and uh, chocolate milk. I, I don't know why chocolate milk is still on my mind. It's always and on your mind. Like, classic, <laughs> yeah. classic milk boy, yeah, that's why. Always so always get some chocolate milk mind. in here, please. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, give that a shot. <laughs> spray, us, spray us with that milk, please. It's, yeah, that's what it is. It's someone, someone was like, oh, hey, I improved my IQ score. One of his friends was like, how? And he was like, oh, shit, I should write a fucking article. <laughs> And he well, just had to fill it in. Yeah, this is real fallacious. I, just, I think about how many uh, good inventions or innovations were made by just a dumb guy. just Or someone oh, just yeah. dumb, just like a guy stabbing the ground and then oil came up or something. And he was stabbing <laughs> the ground because he's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't doing I'm it. I'm kill the earth. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, no, the earth's bleeding. The grass, <laughs> it worked. The grass keeps coming back. I hate it. I believe that is the script to There Will Be Blood. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Daniel Day-Lewis played a real good dumb guy. <laughs> but, uh, d- you know, despite... You know how how dumb the perceptions are of him uh, from from this table. He does have a <laughs> he does have a PhD in chemi- chemical He's very engineering. Very well respected. Oh. He does uh, he is an editor at the journal Nature, but therefore he should know better than to yeah. to peddle this kind of science <laughs> when it could have a damaging effect on the community. Yeah. And for that reason, today, David Adam, we dub you. Fake news. Fake news, David oh, Adam. I'm looking you up know. on Twitter right the fuck now. <laughs> I didn't know that was this was that kind of podcast. <laughs> the OAMnetwork.com. All original podcasts released weekly in Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome back to our final section where we take a journal article and explain it to our guests. Have them explain it back to us afterwards. Today's article is from the journal Nature Microbiology. The first author is Bradley Hover. The anchor author is Sean Brady from the Laboratory of Genetically Encoded Small Molecules at Rockefeller University. And this... What the heck? <laughs> you said Hova and then Rockefeller University. Yeah. Jay-Z is Hova. He started Rockefeller Records. I'm going to just... Okay, I'm what's, sorry to what's interrupt. Hova? We're all in Mensa now. Yeah. <laughs> what's Hova? Uh, what, yeah, what is... It's the H-O-B lane. It's his nickname. He calls himself the God MC, and so Jehova. Oh, because he's Jay Z. It's kind of like Jehovah. I'll take it over, Doctor. Oh, Jehovah. Uh, My God. Okay, that's dumb. The well, that's interesting, but not related to Bradley Hover, who's just a man, or David <laughs> Adam. Uh, now today's article is called "Culture Independent Discovery of Melacidins." as calcium-dependent antibiotics with activity against multidrug-resistant gram-positive pathogens. What does that mean to you guys? Um, anytime I hear the word pathogens, I know I'm out of my smart people league. <laughs> I just sit it out. I'm like, well, 
I don't want to catch anything, so I'm going to hush. Well, I'll, I'll read it again to give you another chance to see if you can pick anything up from the title alone. All right, let's do it. Culture-independent discovery of the melacidins as calcium-dependent antibiotics with activity against multidrug-resistant gram-positive pathogens. That's a lot to do with milk. How and much do you think it has to do with milk? Oh, 50%. I'm guessing, if I can, that this is about um, MRSA and, and anti-resistant uh, infections. That's exactly what the paper is about. Not milk. Now, despite the uh, wide availability of antibiotics, antibiotic resistance is a big problem. In fact, you know, there have, there have really not been many discoveries over the past 20 years for new antibiotics. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's been a, a significant problem uh, because more and more, uh, we know that more and more antibiotic resistant bacteria, bacterial infections will be a problem, especially in the future. It's mm-hmm. believed that it will be a huge problem in the future. Oh, yeah, you can't even cl- uh, cure chlamydia for some people anymore. I heard a rapper talking about it. It's serious business out there. If you're out there fucking without condoms, you better be careful because chlamydia can't be cured for some people. You know, if you're a rapper, you'd probably be privy to the idea of rapping your dick. Hey. Can you, can you, can you edit that in again after? <laughs> can you repeat that three more times? <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> He liked that one. I did, I did like that one. Uh, my girlfriend called me during this, by the way. I'm gonna, she's going to be so happy when I tell her I ignored her for you. Uh, <laughs> well, um, so, so really, for rappers and people with MRSA alike, a new class of antibiotics would be a great thing to have. Mm-hmm. But the way that uh, people are currently have been trying to make new antibiotics, it's been kind of the same way for 20 uh, for t- 20, 30 plus years. You have certain types of bacterial culture. You try and do certain uh, derivations of what already exists to try and create you know, new antibiotics. Okay. But the advancements that we've now got in sequencing technology uh, allowed this group to take a completely different approach. So what they did is they took soil samples from uh, 2,000 different locations that were both geographically diverse and the climate was diverse. Mm-hmm. So they think the different types of bacteria will be living in these different regions. So they took these 2,000 uh, soil samples and they basically did this giant sequencing of the DNA that they, they extracted DNA from, from these soil samples that will just be from a mishmash of all the different bacteria mm-hmm. that are out there. And then they basically started to assemble this. They were looking for basic, uh, a biosynthetic gene cluster, this specific like area they're looking for this specific region of DNA uh, that was similar enough that would encompass this region of antibiotic-producing proteins, basically. Okay. Extracted from all of this, and they built up this giant map of uh, working out different clades of different, cl- almost like a family tree of these different uh, sequences that they pulled out of everything. So, so you, you know, maybe you'd be pulling out classical antibiotics, uh, but, but then building up a family tree based on all of these sequences. And they uh, found a unique class, which they called melacidins for metagenomic acidic lipopeptide antibiotic sidins. Uh, and from this clade, uh, from this group, they uh, found two specific compounds, melacidin A, melacidin B, 
that did not have the usual calcium domain that most other antibiotics have. So they had something different because they were they found them to be calcium dependent when they put them on a normal staph, staph aureus bacteria. And they found that they were good at getting rid of this staph, in, I say infection, but staph aureus in the dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they weren't using that same mechanism that normal antibiotics okay. were using. Yeah. So they then, because uh, this would be something you'd be very interested in, took these compounds and tried them against MRSA and uh, vancomycin-resistant pathogens. That's another one that uh, you know, resistance seems to be developing in. And vancomycin is an antibiotic considered to be the last line of defense in some cases. So it's the last thing that they have. If that doesn't work, it's kind of game over. Mm-hmm. And they found that it could treat an MRSA-infected skin wound on a rat. And in assays, they did to uh, generate see if resistance was generated to it. They didn't find any resistance being generated to it in the lab as of yet, but by standard assays and procedures. Now, it's, pr- it's probable that some sort of resistance would develop if it was in long-term use, but basically they're saying, we didn't find any evidence of that in our first set of experiments. Yeah. Other than growing resistance, what are the side effects of that? So this has never been treated, ch- tested in humans. They only gave it uh, topically oh. to the, uh, the rats, so you, they would need to do... Uh, experiments where they looked at dose toxicities and see whether it's tolerable by humans. I mean, it is not killing human cell lines that they put it on, but uh, but you wouldn't know at this stage like what effect it would have maybe on, for instance, the bacteria in your gut, your microbiome. I mean, most bacteria, most antibiotics will clear that out and that can have harmful effects as it is. Uh, That's the problem with it, right? It just kills everything. Yeah, and so uh, there there are a lot more specific antibiotics. So they've not really done any research to see like whether this, whether any of these class would have a specific effect or whether it would be a general effect. But if it's a last line of defense thing and you're treating resistant bacteria, the development of something that could treat that is hugely beneficial. And uh, in theory, it will be rapidly moved forward to human trials because it is something of major significance. So, that is the study. That's what they did. How much did you guys take in, and how much can you spit back to me right now? Um, okay, I'll give you a quick rundown of what I think I may have figured out. So, antibiotics uh, were, they hit a 20-year plateau, pretty much. They made them, and then they stopped making new ones. Uh, but we're reaching a point where there's enough... Uh, there's enough stuff out there affecting people that needs to be treated by antibiotics that we need to start working on newer ones. Uh, the work is now being done to find newer antibiotics, but the way they're doing it, it also has to be new because we just kind of, like I said, we hit that plateau. So what the study did was it went out and found uh, DNA in 2,000 random places so that we could have a larger bank to draw from uh, they pulled two specific strands of DNA from uh, all of the studies and groupings that they then found were able to treat some issues on a rat that had not been able to be treated before. But the issue with that is you just don't know how that's going to now translate to humans. That's, that's pretty good. Aaron, anything to add? All I could think about was how I used to have MRSA. And uh, I had MRSA on my toe, 
Really? Yeah, and it sucked. Uh, How long did it take to get rid of? Uh, it didn't take too long. Um, it was on like the the right side of my big toenail, Ooh. on the big toe, and uh, what the what they did was um, they sh- put I think I want to say three shots in the tip of my toe, which was supposed to hurt, but I'm a tough boy. Uh-huh. Didn't hurt. Didn't feel anything. Actually, she was like, "You're pretty cool." I was like, "Yeah, I know. <laughs> give me this for free." And uh, <laughs> then she like cut both ends of the toenail. For some reason, it was only on the one end, like the inner on the inside of the toe. But she cut off both ends. Uh, now I can't like feel my toenail. <laughs> it's weird. I can't feel that the oh, tip wow. of my toe. So did rid they of some nerves on my left foot? Something. Yeah, did they, yeah. Did they, they kill the nail bed too? No, no, no. They didn't kill. They. I think it was either that or they cut off an end, like both ends, and they just cut off the ends. Yeah, I used so, to have ingrown toenails all mm-hmm. the time, and they used to do that same thing to me. Yeah, it was four shots though. I was a little bit tougher. Sure, <laughs> it was gross. My mom. Um, we think my mom brought it home from the hospital because that was when there was like an outbreak of E. coli and lettuce five or six years ago, and she got E. coli. Oof. And she came back from the hospital, and I was just walking around bare feet in the house, and I had a sore on my toe, and it got in there and infected it. Oof. That's all I could think about. Was, <laughs> it's like, oh, that was pretty cool. My mom used to bring me toys yeah. and stuff. That's crazy. <laughs> Your mom brought you MRSA. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. My mom never got me toys. And uh, anything to add? Well, I have a question. Yeah. Um, of course, we have now... The last line of defense, that drug, um, is that going to become now the new like penicillin or something? Is that ultimately going to be the thing that we use now well, well, the, in 10, 15 years? It may be something that, we, that is used regularly in 10, 15 years. The, the problem would be the same problem that's been happening with all of the other antibiotics, which, which is overuse mm-hmm. of antibiotics. You give an antibiotics for anything. Uh, you know, you walk into the you walk into the, uh, the doctor's office with almost any problem, they'll send you out with antibiotics because it's easier for them to deal with than to actually get to the source of the problem. Uh, and it, and people and patients are a problem in this way because they always want to walk away feeling like they've gotten something or like that you know something's being done. Whereas actually, with most small problems, you know, you, they're sending them away with antibiotics because they're sending them away because it's not a problem at all. Uh, so overuse is a, is a big problem because that will lead to resistance. Now, this particular class of antibiotics attacks a different part of the uh, bacterial cell wall or a, a different part of the whole chain of events or processes that antibiotics interfere with, which is why it, it potentially has a uh, benefit over these other antibiotics where they've evolved a way around uh, around attacking that specific portion mm-hmm. of the bacterial cell wall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it may be that resistance is generated to this, but having a, another medicine that has a different form of attack is always going to be beneficial. Of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, guys. I think you did a, you did a good job taking everything in, uh, throwing your uh, perspectives on it. And also throwing some information back at me. But the final thing I'm going to ask, as we do for all our guests, is whether you have a fact for us today, whether you have anything, uh, any knowledge to spread over here onto your guest, onto your host. All right. um, I think I got something. Uh, In the early 1900s, uh, Tesla and Edison 
were fighting for uh, electric dominance. And uh, Tesla had AC, and, and Edison was developing DC. And Edison, to prove that alternating current was bad, uh, electrocuted an elephant in front of people. Oh, man. And there's yeah. video of it, too. Like, the yeah. feet start burning. It's awful. There's a... Uh, it was a circus elephant, too. Yeah, there's a uh, uh, an episode of Bob's Burgers that talked about it. Oh. AC won out in the end, right? That's the... Well, I mean, you could say that. I mean, that's what we use everywhere, yeah. but we also can't drive anywhere without DC. Mm. With a... Uh, I mean, the, we are we are a world that needs both DC and yeah. AC. Yeah. Anytime we lose power at a hospital, we convert to DC and all the oh. red. Well, I mean, we need generators Generate and stuff like back that. Up. So. No. so, I mean, if we if we rely completely on AC, the and we kind of do in America, so it's it would be easier for a terrorist attack to take out somewhere, and America could be out for seven to ten years of without electricity. Kind of what we're seeing in Puerto Rico right now. Oh man, that's. Scary. <laughs> it is scary. But from what's happened in Puerto Rico, I can guarantee that the administration will deal with any power outage affecting the United States very, very quickly and efficiently. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. In, in the white parts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the good parts, yeah. Aaron, do you have a fact for us today? Um, I, like, uh, I like baseball a lot, and that's not the fact. Uh, baseball is the best. Uh, one of my favorite little things about baseball, do we all know who Mike Trout is? Mm-hmm. Yes. He's the best baseball player in baseball and probably the best one in like 50 years. Um, he was drafted by the uh, Anaheim Angels. I guess they're the LA Angels now. Uh, I think 25th overall in the first round out of New Jersey. Uh, he wasn't even the Angels' first pick in the first round. Uh, Randall Grychuk, an outfielder uh, from wherever the fuck, was picked the pick right before Mike Trout because the Angels had two picks in a row. Um and the reason Mike Trout wasn't picked was because he played in New Jersey and they didn't have winter ball. Huh. And now Randall Grychuk is, he was traded to St. Louis, sucked for a couple of years, and now I think he's traded to Toronto this past offseason to be like a fourth outfielder. And Mike Trout's the best baseball player since, like, Mickey Mantle. So what would, you, what would that make you say about the draft pick? picking system like i think it's i think it's flawed because you don't obviously scouting is really uh, really old school shit like people just if you if you play baseball in somewhere like new jersey you're not going to get looked at as much Mm. because the scouts know they think they know that you're not worth a shit really because you can't play all year round but there are traveling teams that i'm sure mike trout played on but they just didn't know Right, because so, you would imagine anyone like really seriously yeah. going after baseball to yeah. a high level I wanna say, would find a way, wouldn't be stopped by mm-hmm. winter. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I want to say Randall Gradchuk was like played in Arizona or Florida or something. Usually they're from somewhere like that, California. Interesting. But yeah, I like cool. it. Dante, do you have a fact for me today? Uh, got a couple facts. One, fact one, there is a beautiful dog outside the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, that is first. That is uh, confirmed fact. There's been a lot of dogs. A lot of dogs. There have been. Dog-friendly uh, town. I want to talk. I want to do some facts about my hometown, Bernice, Louisiana. Uh, I grew up there. I'm from there. The reason I am the way I am is because of that town. It's a town of, uh, as of the 2000 census, 1,809 people, and we have a bunch of famous people from there. 
Um, I'm going to tell you about them. Uh, Willie Robertson from the show Duck Dynasty. He was born no in my hometown. Uh, Terry Bradshaw's backup. Yeah. Well, that's the dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. The, yeah. The dad. He, I they, forgot which one it was. They though. lived in my hometown until the, the Duck Calls got popular, mm-hmm. and then they got rich, and then they moved to Monroe, Louisiana. Um, there's also Orlando Woolridge, who is an NBA player. There's uh, Benny Anders, who had a, an ESPN documentary done about him. He played at the University of Houston during the Five Slamma Jamma era with Akeem Olajuwon oh, yeah. and uh, Clyde Drexler. And then uh, there's a musician named Robert Finley. Uh, we know him as Slim. He used to play at my church all the time when I was growing up. He's like an older guy. And then now that he's like in his 60s and 70s, he just recently, like three years ago, became really popular on the hipster music circuit. So he like, I go to music festivals sometimes and I see that Robert Finley is playing there and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Why? Like, what I, kind of music does he play? Uh, it's like soul, like kind of bluesy soul. Yeah. Um, and he's really good. Why do hipsters he, like him? Because they like him. Like yeah. He's kind of like the new Charles Bradley. Okay. Are um, you related to him? I'm not. No, okay. he's Finley, F-I-N-L-E-Y. My Finleys are F-I-N-D-L-E-Y. Okay. And then probably the most notable person from my hometown is a NBA Hall of Famer, Willis Reed, who uh, played yeah. for the Knicks. Here's another interesting fact. Our town borders the, a town in Louisiana called uh, Summerfield, which is home to NBA Hall of Famer Carl Malone. Shit. The mailman. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in a town that is, like, so crazy. Like it, That is a high rate per capita of famous people. It right? is. It is. NBA and, Hall of Famers. That's nuts. Yeah, it Two. is. <laughs> Two from, <laughs> Two. like, towns that yeah. border one another with population. Like, the, the total population of my town plus Summerfield is, like, less than 2,000 mm-hmm. people. And... You got those two dudes that Man. came from there. Did you know there's a comedian in Ames whose name is Carl Malone? And I, on the street, said, oh, the mailman. And then he said, why the fuck does everyone keep saying that? <laughs> oh, no, that's too bad. That's I know. He didn't know. No, I don't, I, know. I don't know if he didn't know. The fuck I, did he grow up? I left because I was very scared. Oh, man, what so, an idiot. So, uh, Carl with a K. To let you know, <laughs> next month on our Drafts and Laughs show that you're performing on tonight, we have comedian James Doyle from Dallas, Texas. Oh, oh I need to find that guy. I need to talk <laughs> oh, to him man. about some shit. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, for doing the show. Finally, I'll let you uh, plug anything you've got going on. Uh, as comedians, where can we find you on uh, social media, etc.? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at James Yo Doyle, but I don't use I don't use Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Yo Doyle. You can see pictures of my butt. Um, also. Dante and I run a show in Des Moines, Iowa, every last Thursday of the month called Panic at the Basement. Nice. Uh, Aaron was on it. He sucked big. <laughs> <laughs> sucked big. All right. Sucked big. Uh, I am on Twitter at I am Aaron Naylor, and same with all the other stuff. Um, I run a show in Kansas City, Kansas called Baby Powder uh, on the weekends, whenever you're in. I don't know. Uh, probably the last Friday of every month, maybe. Uh, and one in Weston, Missouri, called Comedy in the Cave, the last Thursday of every month. Um, that's it. Hell yeah. Um, like, yeah, James said, we run a show together in Des Moines. Uh, so if you're in Des Moines and you're listening to this, make sure you check that out. 
Uh, I perform at the Funny Bone in Des Moines all the time, so look me up there. Uh, I also am on Twitter at Dante Powell. I tweet heat. I actually have really amazing tweets, but I only tweet during real nigga hours, so late at night. So a lot of people miss out on that. It's just you and Trump. It's just me and Trump. I'm just doing it. I think and, I think a lot of people say the same thing about Donald Trump, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a he's, real guy. Yeah, oh boy, you almost <laughs> did it. No, I, uh, I wait till the car. And then uh and then I'm on Instagram at Moose Rattler, M O O S E R A T T L E R. And then I am on Facebook. Just look me up, Dante Powell. I still haven't reached five thousand friends, Oof. so do that. Hit me up. Oh, also, I'm at Floodwater Comedy Festival the first week in March, and I'm at uh, the Burning Bridges Festival in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, April 12th through 14th. If anybody out there listens to this, if you don't, then I'm just stunting on your punk ass. Great. One, wonderful to have you guys all on the show. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. One last thing. I want to point out that the Milk Boys Cometh Tour is sponsored by Cheerwine. 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 Motel 6. Tom Motel Bodette. 6. And that's a free promotion. They're not paying us anything. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this, this podcast is only sponsored by Wet Sponges. <laughs> milk Sponges. Sponsored by Milk. Hmm. Well, thank you guys for coming to do the show. Welcome back anytime, of course, next time you're traveling through. Uh, but for now, good night. <laughs> good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Dr. Heckle is an OEM Network production recorded at the Crosstown Concourse in Memphis, Tennessee. Your host was Mark Brimble. Guests were Dante Powell, James Doyle, and Aaron Naylor. The show was produced by Mark Brimble, Gilworth, and Zan Roach. Special thanks to John Miller and Carla Worth. Do you have any questions, comments, or would like to get in touch about appearing on the show or topics you would like us to cover? Email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com. Dot com.